Today's horrific tale is a published piece by the brilliant author J.T. Haven, a.k.a. J.T. Morse. Join us as we present to you The Lion, the Witch, and the Walrus. Jimmy Ramson Jr. couldn't remember the when or the who concerning how he had acquired the nickname The Walrus, but he knew why. And, to be clear, it had nothing to do with his love of the Beatles' hit song, I Am The Walrus. Rather, the nickname came to light because of Jimmy's oversized, damn near tusk-like front teeth, his stocky stature, and the fact that he'd worn his hair shaved close to his round knob of a head his whole life. Sadly, having a heart of gold seems to get you nowhere. If you resemble a creature that was clearly the butt of a joke shared by Mother Nature and God during the stand-up comedy routine called Creation. For as long as Jimmy could remember, he had been the walrus. That was the way it was, and there was nothing this, now 40-something, seemingly eternal bachelor could do about it. Having finished a long, hot day in the bucket seat of his excavator, Jimmy climbed down from Bessie, wiped his forehead with his trusty blue bandana, and took off into the nearby woods to relieve his aching bladder. To Jimmy, one of the perks of being a solo contractor on a small bid job for the county was not having the hassle of portalettes and other big site, big crew formalities. Gotta go? You just wander off into the trees and let her rip. Fly down, wing out, and pee dribbling at second finale encore, Jimmy thought he saw a flash of red in his periphery. Turning his head to the right, he almost yanked his pecker clean off when the red-headed woman standing inches from him said, Nice pistol you got there, handsome. What? Oh God, I think I pissed on your dress, lady. Where did you... Where it came from isn't important. Struggling to repackage his package, Jimmy blinked a few times in disbelief as the sun cut through the pine trees, creating a glow around the woman's head. A radiant glow that looked like fire. A lot like fire. Ma'am, I hate to tell you this, but I think your hair is on fire. Reaching a hand up casually to pat out the flames, the strange woman said, Ah, so it is. Damn son can't keep his flames to himself. That's what I get for burning a star. Love him and leave him evidently isn't a philosophy he embraces. Um, I'm sorry, who did you say you were? I didn't, because that's not important. With this proclamation, the woman turned on her heels, assuming she had heels or feet or even legs. The way she glided along the pine needle and leaf carpeting and due to the floor length length of her scarlet dress, Jimmy could only assume she had heels. Within seconds, Jimmy's decision was clearly made for him when the woman said, I have beer chilling in the fridge. Decision made. Jimmy followed her deep into the forest without further question. Eyes closed, Jimmy Ransom Jr. heard strange noises and smelled strange smells. He questioned whether he might be in a zoo. Maybe the lady in the forest ran a petting zoo or an exotics ranch. Quite a few of those places had popped up in the area lately. Great for locals and tourists alike. Also, they were a perfect place to take a date, or so the billboards claimed. Jimmy wouldn't know. He had never been to one, on a date or otherwise. Carefully, as if testing the waters of a pond with a toe before midnight skinny dipping, he pried one sweet tea-colored eye open. Holy shit! He was hanging maybe 30 feet up, looking down onto an open sandpit encircled by metal cages. In the cages were animals of all sorts, from bears to bow constrictors to lions. Goddamn lions! Glancing down his horizontal body, Jimmy saw the ridging and canvas that held him aloft. It looked like the kind of setup a hang glider might use. Not that Jimmy had ever been hang gliding, 
thought he'd seen them on TV at least once. A cocoon of black, shiny fabric supported him from just under his armpits down to his ankles. Arms tucked in by his sides, he realized his hands were tingling as if they were asleep. Ah, you're awake. Welcome back, handsome. Standing between a caged white tiger and a prison gorilla that looked like a pissed-off cousin of King Kong was woman from the woods. Where am I? Is what Jimmy wanted to ask. However, his mouth appeared to have been sealed shut. Running his tongue along the inside of his lips, the captive blue-collar fellow felt twine running vertically inside his mouth. Holy shit, take two! The bitch in red had sewn his mouth shut. Daddy had always warned him about gingers. Oh, don't be upset about the handwork I did on your mouth. Might be a bit sore when the numbing agent and pain meds wear off, but, more than likely, you won't live that long. So, it won't matter. Jimmy's head pounded, and his heart raced. Between beats and pounds, he tried to remember anything and everything that had happened after he had followed her home. He recalled he had not seen a driveway in front of the crumbling Victorian mansion, only a slightly overgrown walking path. No power or phone lines that he could see, but so much of that was run underground these days that he wasn't too surprised by this. No mailbox or even slot on the door, but maybe she had a post office box in the nearby town of Cold Spring. All in all, an odd sight in the middle of the National Forest, however, not odd enough to send him fleeing for his life. He remembered entering the house via a creaky front door and following the woman into an old-timey parlor or sitting room of sorts. Lots of maroon velvets and yellow-aged lace. The red-headed stranger encouraged him to have a seat in a high-backed leather chair. Following this, she had said she wanted to slip into something more comfortable than would snag him a beer. While waiting for her to return, Jimmy thought he might have dozed off briefly, but he wasn't sure. When she finally came back into the room, though, he snapped awake. Wide awake. Her red floor-length gown had been replaced by a red-and-black zebra-striped bra and panties set, the kind only those type of women wore. There were two-inch-long zippers across each nipple region and a longer, wider zipper guarding her hidden lady treasures. Like what you see, big boy? The mysterious woman had asked. All he'd been able to do in response was clear his throat and nod in a wide-eyed appreciation. Physically back in the present, Jimmy mentally replayed the memory of their sexual rendezvous, including the odd-tasting beer he had lapsed from her belly button, lower back, and about half a dozen other unmentionable places. He would have continued the pleasurable playback, however, the fabric that suspended him from the ceiling was starting to tent southward embarrassingly and painfully. Besides, Jimmy couldn't seem to remember anything after he'd reached the O oh moments. Everything in his memory, after that, faded to a fuzzy black. Oh, lover boy, you about ready to come down and play? Are you feeling sufficiently rested and ready to run? Lady Sexy Von Crazy called up to him as she sauntered over to a red button affixed to one of the gray cement blocks that made up the walls. As she depressed the button, two things happened simultaneously. The rig Jimmy was cocooned in sank toward the floor and the animals all fell into silence. Eerie, complete silence. Starting to officially panic, Jimmy jerked his head around looking for any hope of escape. Nothing. He couldn't see any plausible way out of his current predicament. Stopping the wench, or whatever mechanism she was using to raise and lower the rig, about three feet from the floor, she smiled and winked at her captive. We are going to have so much fun. Just you, me, and... Hmm. Who will it be this time? Walking around the assorted cages, the woman addressed the inhabitants in turn. Maybe Jacob, the anaconda. He's a slippery one with a foul squeeze. Or how about Travis the panther? Sleek and sexy with a nasty, toothy attitude. No, I know who hasn't been out to play in a while. 
How about you, Marcus? With utter terror, Jimmy allowed his eyes to meander from the woman's face down to the cage she stood beside. Beyond the shiny, silver bars crouched, as if ready to pounce, the biggest lion Jimmy had ever seen. On TV or in a zoo, of course. The Tawny's beast's eyes were the size of baseballs, and his canine teeth were, believe it or not, significantly larger than Jimmy's own front teeth. Yes, the lion, the witch, and the walrus. What a story this will be to share with my devotees. The thought of people following or worshipping this batshit crazy lady was beyond thinkable for small-town southern boy Jimmy Ransom Jr. But wait, hadn't he willingly followed her into the forest? And prior to his waking half hour or so ago, hadn't he worshipped better feet as she spanked him with a yellow plastic fly swatter and called him names that would make sailors blush? Shame and regret coursed through his veins straight to his weary heart. Give me a few minutes to slip into something more appropriate. Would you like another beer? <laughs> Silly me. I forgot that I laced your lips shut. Oh well, I guess there'll be no last supper or final bit of frothy hops for you, my handsome boy. Sorry. Be right back. Once she'd vanished down a side hall, Jimmy did his best fish in a net impersonation, flipping and flopping as best he could, regrettably realizing that she'd bound his ankles together and his arms still seemed to be asleep or in a drug state. He might as well have been a mute paraplegic. All he could do was wait in abject terror for her to return, which came sooner than he would have liked. Sauntering back in, the witchy woman, previously wearing the red dress, then trussed up in the black and red zebra brawn panties, then back to the red dress, now donned a pair of skin-tight black capris, knee-high riding boots, a clinging red spaghetti strap tank top, and a safari hat. Jimmy took a moment to rack his brain, searching for the term for that unmistakable style of hat. One like the historical explorers wore. A kind of hard hat for the jungle bound. What were they called? Pitch hats? Pint hats? If there had been an audience viewing this scene, they would have been yelling the name at the screen and throwing popcorn at his dimwittedness. But try as he might, Jimmy couldn't recall the name. Sorry, viewers. Maybe later. Here I am! I'm back! The woman announced as she did a ta-da type of gesture that made Jimmy roll his eyes and exhale in exasperation. Let me get Marcus into his starting position, then I'll come back for you, Mr. Walrus. Jimmy watched as the woman pulled a small remote control from her cleavage and pushed one of the buttons. The lion's cage began to roll along a track towards the wall to the right side of the room. Along the wall were five metal roll-down doors like those used for individual car garage bays. As the cage approached, the middle door rolled up and the cage passed through. Glaring light prevented Jimmy from seeing what was beyond the door. Bye-bye, beastly baby. Mama will see you soon. She raised a hand and wiggled her scarlet-painted fingertips towards the exiting cage and its inhabitants as the two disappeared behind the lowering metal door. Then, she turned to face the prisoner. Now to prep you for the festivities. Walking over to the wall-mounted controls she'd pressed earlier, the witch, as she'll be referred to from now on, whacked the button and Jimmy slammed to the ground, silky cocoon and all. What looked like soft sand turned out to be tightly packed sand. Jimmy grunted on impact. Oh, did I hurt my little walrus of a lamb? Me so sorry. Baby talk did not do anything for Jimmy in this precarious moment. In fact, if anything, it enraged him further. As did the realization that he still couldn't move the upper half of his body. At all. No action of shoulders, arms, or upper torso. He could rotate his head, and he could move his legs to the extent that the ankle binding is loud, but that was it. Oh, stop fidgeting. You'll be free soon enough. 
As she spoke, keeping a safe distance from Jimmy's flailing legs, the witch untethered the silk cocoon, letting it fall to the ground around his body. Then, she deftly clipped a carabiner and chain to the back of the black nylon harness Jimmy now noticed he was wearing. With the push of another button on her handy-dandy remote control, the witch's prey was dragged across the clearing toward one of the garage bay doors. Luckily, Jimmy thought, not the same one the lion exited through. The chain ran between the smooth concrete floor of that end of the room and a notch in the lower lip of the door. Moving at a rapid clip, Jimmy felt certain that he was about to smash headfirst into the metal barrier. However, as he braced for impact, the door began to roll up. Instead of slamming into it, Jimmy found himself flying off a cliff and falling into a deep quarry or man-made four-sided canyon of some sort. Maybe meeting the door up close and personal would have been preferable, Jimmy wondered. As gravity took over, the chain's role seemed to become one of stopping the harness, and therefore Jimmy's, forward momentum rather than encouraging it. With a snapping jerk, the chain came to an abrupt halt 15 feet or so from the rocky bottom of the cavern, at which time Jimmy promptly peed his pants. The dangling dude was uncertain whether this had occurred due to the relief of not hitting the snaggletooth rock bedding below or due to the sheer need to relieve himself. His bladder was full to brimming and he had no idea when he'd emptied it last or how much beer he consumed off the witch's evil, sexy body. What he did know for certain was that he was in a heap of trouble. Just below him sat Marcus, and the gargantuan lion had proceeded to start licking his chops as if Jimmy resembled a T-bone steak wrapped in lamb chops and slathered in copious amounts of bacon grease. Have no fear, boys. The lady of the hour has arrived. Jimmy rolled his eyes as the witch floated down toward them, dangling ever so gracefully from a you-know-what-the-color parachute. Upon landing, the prisoner hoped that the lion would pounce on the witch and tear to shreds. But, of course, the beast didn't. Instead, the damn thing began to purr like an obnoxious, oversized death machine kitten. Hello, Marcus Warkus. After unclipping herself from the parachute, the witch patted the lion's head and made kissy noises at it. Are you hungry? Doesn't walrus sound like a tasty treat? Jimmy, what do you think? Racking his brain, Jimmy couldn't remember ever telling the bitch, oops, the witch, his name. However, if that were the oddest part of this whole effed up situation, Jimmy was willing to let that tiny storyline hiccup go. How she controlled the deadliest beast, now giving her kisses like a damn golden retriever, was more of a mystery. This woman might really be an honest-to-Satan witch, Jimmy decided. He had no idea how to defeat a witch and only slightly less knowledge about how to best align in combat or chase. If his arms had been functional, wait. Fingers wiggled. Wrists trembled elbows bent. Jimmy could use his arms, and, in celebration, quickly did the sign of the cross with his left arm and in reverse order, but it seemed like the right thing to do in the given moment. Oh honey, that spell don't work on me, and sweet baby Jesus can't save you from Marcus. He wasn't a lion tamer. I don't think. Sorry. The witch wiped her lion spittle-covered face with a black lace handkerchief she'd pulled from her cleavage, of course, then whispered something into the lion's ear. Immediately, the lion trotted off into the distance, and the witch said, Now that feeling has returned to your arms, this will be more of a fair fight. Marcus hates when his prey is too easy to catch. Pulling a giant knife out, not from her cleavage this time, but from a sheath on her thigh, although Jimmy thought that would have been rather amusing to see, the witch cut the zip ties that had been pinning her captive's legs together. Noticing the dampness of his Levi's, she shook her head. Men just can't hold their liquor or their bladders. What's wrong with your gender? Feeling a bit lightheaded, possibly due to the recent restoration in the blood flow of his circulatory system, 
or the wearing off of whatever drugs or spells she used on him, Jimmy began to mumble in response to her query. However, he gave up after a few minutes, to suppose he might have been rambling in order to stall whatever violence was inevitably coming. As if reading his mind, the witch began to explain what would be occurring. Marcus has gone to the far side of the arena to give you a fair start. After I've climbed up the cliff to my viewing box, I'll remotely release your harness latch. Marcus won't begin the hunt until I sound the signal. You up for this, big boy? What? Who in their right mind would be up for whatever this insanity was? Before Jimmy could wrap his brain further around the whacked-out situation or figure out a strategy for avoiding being Marcus's lunch, the witch disappeared somewhere behind him. With a click, Jimmy felt the harness give way and fell onto the rocks below. Adrenaline masked the pain of his scraped shin, bloody knees, and raw, bleeding palms. As a loud horn sounded, Jimmy jumped up, more like a jackrabbit than a walrus. With no idea which way to run or where to hide, Jimmy started running as hard as he could in any and every direction that seemed easiest and fastest. In the distance, he heard the witch call out, RUN WALRUS RUN! Oh no, did she really just make a Forrest Gump joke at his expense? If he ever had the chance. His thoughts and body froze as he heard a growling roar, way too close for comfort. What the hell was an out-of-shape, highway road crew guy going to do against a goddamn enchanted king of the jungle? Jimmy had no idea, but he'd have to think of something. And quick. Within what felt like few precious minutes, the arena's human prey realized that he'd backed himself into a corner. Well, fronted himself into a wall, actually, but there was a minimal amount of lucidity running his ship at the moment. A sheer rock cliff stood in front of him. To his right was a path overgrown with spiked and thorny vegetation. To the left, dense trees and undergrowth, way too thick for him to get through. And behind him was Marcus. Jimmy knew this because he could hear the lion's low growl and practically smell the beast's rancid breath. At this pivotal moment in the walrus' life, he had nothing to lose. This inkling allowed Jimmy to access parts of himself he'd never known were there before. Magical parts that were deep inside and well above the area he'd previously considered his magic zone. Frothing through the loosening stitches that caged his mouth, and with a gleam in his eye that Jimmy had never known before, he grabbed a thick branch and began to swing it widely at the lion's huge head. Like a lion tamer from Legends of Old, Jimmy's manic display affected the lion in an odd and peculiar way. Despite the branch never making physical contact with mane or muzzle, Marcus froze in his pursuit and began to back away from Jimmy. In the distance, someone laid on the horn like a trucker trying to get around a granny in the fast pass lane. The witch seemed to be signaling her vicious pet to stop messing around and go in for the kill. However, her placid pet wasn't listening to her anymore. A new master was in this effed up town, and his name was Jimmy the Walrus. With chest puffed up and chin held high, Jimmy ripped a vine off a nearby tree. Thick branch in one hand and verdant whip in the other, the unexpected lion tamer fought back his attacker, chasing him all the way back to the place where they'd started this sick game. In a seemingly panicked state, the witch descended from her high-rise throne and met Marcus and Jimmy under the dangling harness. What? This is impossible! What is happening here? Using his stronger-than-average tongue to work his threaded lips free, the walrus stretched the aching flesh of his face and replied, Bitch, your pussy just got walrus-whipped! To which the witch burst out in laughter. Not a giggle or a tee-hee-hee, but gut-busting, tears-gushing, guffawing laughter. 
Stunned, Jimmy wasn't sure what to do or say, so he simply stood in his warrior pose with leafy whip and bark-bound weapon in hand. Once she'd regained her breath and composure, the witch turned to her fang companion and said, Okay, boy, he's all yours. As blood flew and fangs ripped flesh, Jimmy's last thoughts were about what an amazing one-liner that would have been for a hero of an action movie, and how glad he was that those were the last words he would ever utter. Now, if only the bitch had recorded them, he would be the next viral internet sensation. Even if it would be posthumously. Oh, and he didn't forget. Two words popped into his head at Jimmy's moment of death. Piff helmet. He had remembered before it was too late. Thank goodness that changed everything. Thus ends the moralist story of the lion, the witch, and Jimmy, the walrus. We hope you've enjoyed it. If not, go find a lion and witch yourself. Well, we hope that you enjoyed our latest horrific tale. If you want to keep up to date with future episodes, then subscribe to our YouTube channel and like our Facebook page. Please also take a moment to support our contributing artists who very kindly lend their talents to this show. Check out the links in the description as to how you can do this. Until next time, my friends, keep it creepy, keep it horrific. <laughs>